You know, as we heard those words in Luke today, it reminded me of another place in Luke where the Pharisees asked Jesus what the greatest commandments were. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he responded to him, well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus told that story of the Good Samaritan. And I say that because today I think the question we need to ask ourselves then is Jesus says, love your enemy. Well, who is my enemy? I want to look at that word just a little bit, the definition of what we find in Webster for an enemy says that it's a person who actively opposes or is hostile to someone or to something. A person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. That word enemy comes from two Latin words put together. Imicus is the Latin word. In meaning not. And amicus meaning friend. So what an enemy really is, is someone who is not my friend. And the reason I say all that is I think a lot of times we can hear those words of Jesus, love your enemies, and we can think of an enemy as somebody who is really a military adversary. And most of us don't have someone like that in our lives. And so I think we can kind of tune out what Jesus says there when he says, love your enemies. Because what Jesus is really saying is love those who are not your friends. Hear those words again. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. We're not talking about someone that you don't know. We're talking about someone that you do know in your life. Maybe it's someone who doesn't agree with you politically or socially or philosophically. Maybe it's someone that argues with you on everything that you say and they're not just your teenagers, which we know happens. Maybe it's someone that just thinks you're stupid because you don't agree with them and there's always this animosity with this other person. They are not your friend in terms of what we would define a friend. In fact, they might be even somebody that is in your family. And I want you to think about that person. Give yourself a moment to think about that, to think who that would be in your life as we talk about then that word that Jesus uses when he says, love your enemies. We know that word that we find in Scripture when it's used towards others is that Greek word agape, and we've heard before that is sacrificial love. But I want you to kind of understand in Jesus' day the weight of what that word carried. It wasn't as important to the Greeks as the other words that they had for love because the Greeks really loved their words to bring feelings to them. And so the other words for love that we find are the word eros and phileo and agape. Eros was one that the Greeks really loved because to them that was an intoxicating word, intoxicating love. Someone satisfies me and each of these words has that element of satisfaction in it. That word phileo, that was a word that also brought feelings about in them of the warmth of friendship. 
meaning that we satisfy each other. There is that mutuality to that word. But this word love was one that didn't carry so much of that feeling. Because what the word really meant was, I will satisfy you. What can I do for you? It's that outwardly focused word. Now Jesus says that word to this crowd that is around him. And I want you to think about that crowd and think about the people who were in that crowd. Everyday workers, everyday Jews combined with the ruling class of Jews, with scribes and Pharisees. There were Gentiles there from Tyre and Sidon. Pagans who worshipped other gods, Baal for instance. There were Roman troops in that group of people who heard Jesus speaking as they always stood guard whenever a crowd assembled. They're standing there shoulder to shoulder. Not people that get along in that climate or in that day. And Jesus says this word, love your enemies to that crowd, to the people around you. Seek to take care of the needs of those who are standing around you. Can you imagine them looking around at that different crowd in that moment? There's what you see around you in this world, and you all know how you act towards one another. That's the world as it is. But what Jesus is saying, there is then the kingdom of God that is ushered in through me. And things work differently in the kingdom of God. And I think it's important, too, that we don't breeze over that very first opening line that Jesus says before he says, love your enemies. Because it's fairly important. He says, to those of you who are listening. Not everybody in that crowd was listening that moment. The Pharisees, the scribes, the leaders. The Bible says often that they watch Jesus so that they could find something to attack him with. There were the people in the crowds who simply wanted to be healed. They wanted their problem fixed. They were waiting for that moment to touch Jesus, but they're not necessarily listening. And I say that because I want us to reflect on that as we hear those words. Are we listening? You know, there's a lot that goes on in our lives. We're busy people. And a lot of times when we hear things, they just breeze through us because we're going through an agenda. Or maybe those words of Jesus when it says, love your enemies, to good, do good to those who hurt you. And we thought about that person, we think those words are just too hard, I don't like what he's saying. Or maybe it's just the distractions of life that keep us from focusing or the things around us. But we need to listen to what Jesus is saying in these words. Because what he's saying to us is this. If someone causes you pain, Accept it without anger. If someone cheats you, find a way to enhance what they've taken from you. That is radical thought in that day and still in our day. It's not the way the world works. And for some of you hearing those words, you might think that you just can't grasp that. You just can't understand how Jesus can say that because of your own past, because of people who have hurt you, because of things that have been done to you. And I think we need to pause there and we need to think about 
the very fact that at the root of what Jesus is saying in all these words that he's speaking is an attitude of forgiveness. Because he came into this world to bring that forgiveness that was going to be the price he paid on the cross. Forgiveness has to be first and foremost if we are going to love our enemies. Doing things Jesus' way, that forgiveness, as the Scripture said, can cover a multitude of sins. But we also need to understand that even with that forgiveness, there are still consequences in our actions and reactions with the people around us. We need to know that when we think of Jesus saying, love our enemies, do good to those who hate you, that in our lives when those things have happened to us, there are still residual pains and things even in spite of the forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't wipe out, for instance, and doesn't give a license for condoning or approving what has happened to us or the damage that has done, been done. Forgiveness doesn't always remove the pain of the past. That takes time sometimes. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean forgetting something because there are situations, situations where people have been abused and situations where it's dangerous to be in a relationship with someone else that we need to be aware of and we need to stay away from and we need to learn from so that we don't go back into that situation. And forgiveness doesn't mean that justice or consequences simply get wiped away. The only person that can wipe out consequences so that they are no more through forgiveness is Jesus. He is the only one and He wiped out the consequences of sin, death, and hell on the cross that those would be gone from us forever. But our actions in this world with one another carry consequences. And justice may still demand payment has to be made even after the forgiveness has been doled out. Forgiveness doesn't take away the consequences, but it changes the situation. And I want to pause there. Because if you think this is easy to hear and easy to practice and easy to do, you're fooling yourself. As sinful human beings, this is so far from us to think of this magnitude of love and forgiveness that is to be doled out to those that we have animosity with. I would think most of you by now have heard the story of Corey Ten Boom in the hiding place. If you have or if you haven't, just a brief remembrance of that, that she was imprisoned in a Nazi prison camp during World War II with her family. She watched most of her family as they were beaten and starved and eventually died in that place. She hated her captors for what they had done, for what was inflicted on her. And when the war was over, Corey would often go throughout defeated Germany to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness that she had experienced from Jesus Christ in her own life. To say that it was available for all the sins that had happened during that war. And in that story it goes on that one night when she spoke, she recognized a face in the crowd that was coming towards her after she was finished speaking. It was one of the guards at that prison camp. One of the cruelest guards that she remembered well. She had been paraded in front of with his riding crop and his harshness. 
And as he walked up to her, he held out his hand. And he said, those are strong words, Fraulein. Forgiveness. And he told her how he had become a Christian. And that that forgiveness had come to him. And he wondered as he stretched out his hand to her if she could forgive him. And I want you to hear her words from that story. As he stood there with his hand out, she says, I knew what I had to do. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, and that is that we forgive those who have injured us, who are our enemies. I knew it was not only a commandment, but it was a daily experience. And as I stood there, with only coldness clutching my heart at the sight of this man, I knew that forgiveness was not an emotion that was within me. I also knew that forgiveness is an act of the will, and that the will can function regardless of the temperament of the heart. I prayed silently, Jesus, help me. Help me to lift my hand to this man. I can do that much. I can raise my hand out to this man in front of me. But Jesus, you need to supply then the feeling, the emotion, and the forgiveness in my heart. She ends up that story with the fact that she did reach out her hand. They did shake and how when their hands touched, there was this electricity that went through her body and they ended up the night embracing, forgiving, and being forgiven in tears. You see, Jesus doesn't say when He says, love your enemies, do good to us, feel this way. He says to us, act this way. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Corey Ten Boom realized that the secret of doing is not in feeling. I can't always control my feelings. I can't always pretend that what I'm feeling is going to go away. But I can act through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what Jesus has asked me to do. And my actions can move me into a new set of feelings. But if I wait till my opinion, to my mood, to my feelings change in order to give forgiveness to someone else, I may wait forever. But my behavior and my acting can change my attitude. And my acting can turn an enemy into a friend. Jesus isn't giving us a diagram for how things work in the world. We know that it doesn't work that way. Because he says this to us. To those of you who are listening, he's saying, this is how my kingdom works. And when we do this, when we act in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit in the world this way, then the kingdom of God breaks into the world once more. And it changes lives in a powerful way. Because he's speaking to us who have been transformed who have already crossed over from death into life. Remember what Jesus says in John 5, Very truly I tell you, 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And I love what John does with that verse as he writes again in his epistle, 1 John 3, because he uses the same thing that Jesus had said, and he says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. You see, only in Jesus, in hearing his words, in crossing over from death to life, can we do any of this. Because it is not possible in us, in ourselves, apart from the forgiveness and the love that Jesus came into this world to give. Jesus came that we might receive his forgiveness. That we might listen to his word. That we might be strengthened by his gifts. And by His will and His Spirit in us, will we have that power to act? We need to be renewed in that forgiveness again and again in our lives in order to love our enemies, in order to do good to those who hate us. And that's why we come here, and that's why we are in His Word, and that's why we receive His gifts again and again. So that that power that Jesus puts into us through his incredible forgiveness on the cross may be pressed down, may be overflowing, may be the measure that we receive that goes out of us into the world, that lives may be transformed and the kingdom might break in once again. Will you pray with me? Jesus, fill us once again with the power of your forgiveness. Mold our lives and change our actions to be actions that flow from the forgiveness you have placed into us. Lord, help us to see that acting is your power in us and that that power goes out from us into the world to transform and to heal, to renew, and to let your kingdom come. May we always be instruments of that peace, that love, and that forgiveness in your name. Amen.